Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone. Welcome to Coffee Chat with Camille. Today my guest is Ronald Kimmins. He's an author and he's on the line now, so I do want to go ahead and let him in and then I'll finish up. Um I'll actually I'll give the introduction uh afterwards, but um in more detail. But his name is Ronald Kimmins and he's an independent fantasy novelist. Okay? So I want to go ahead and get started with the interview for you folks. All right. Here. And here. Hello, Ronald. Hello, Camille. Hi, Camille. How are you? Yes, it's a pleasure having you. Uh, the title of our show today is What is Magic in Mind? The Value of Fantasy Storytelling in Modern Society. And so I just want to go ahead and get started with um, answering, que- getting questions answered for the audience. Yeah, so yeah. How, yes, how has your career path as a content writer, translator, and marketing agency owner prepared you to become a novelist? So, I mean, uh, as you can tell, there's a lot of writing involved in in you know, copywriting. And, you know, I've wrote a lot of website content, marketing content, and of course, a lot of writing involved in, in translation, which I did for, for several years. Uh, and in my marketing agency, um, you know, I did, I've done that together with my wife. And the aspect of the agency that I really focused on was the writing aspect of it. A lot of field copy. Um, a lot of marketing emails and things like that. So, so I've I've been just through all of these things that I've done. I've been doing a lot of writing. Um, it's not the same kind of writing, but it's it's, it's been it's been writing, you know, and, and it's really helped to to build that skill set. And also, as an entrepreneur, you you have to be you have to be creative as an entrepreneur. Established way of doing things. Um, you're 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 not in you're not really in the safe haven. You're going out on your own, and uh, and that's of course a very different kind of creativity from being a fantasy novelist. Mm-hmm. But it's, but there's still a lot of there, a lot of independence of the mind that requires you to be both to both you know, go and and try new things and consider new things, but also maintain a high level of discipline so that you can actually accomplish things, right? And so I think in, mm-hmm. in all those ways, with those two things, those things have all prepared me to, to do something now. Okay, wonderful. And then why do you think that literary agents and publishers are no longer necessary? You, you can certainly go that route. Um, but with all of the resources that we have now, when um, you're uh, some independent person, a novelist, can go to their own website, go build their own social media following, build their own their own uh, email lists, and and get the name the name out there themselves. And they also have resources like like Amazon and other publishers that that are print on demand, and that mm-hmm. can also can and also digital publishing and everything. The the need for traditional publishers really isn't there so much. And of course they do have a lot of reach. They do have a lot of resources. If 
if a traditional publisher wants to publish your book and they want to invest a whole lot into marketing it and putting it out there in, in bookstores and great numbers and everything, then that may be that may be great. But for most authors, even if they go through traditional publishing, that's not going to happen. The the publisher is not going to to uh, most books don't succeed, and one reason is that is that the publishers have to pick their winners, right? And they tend to focus on the ones that they think that are really going to sell, and that's what they mm-hmm. invest in. Um, so as and also, even when you work with the publisher, with an agent and everything, they you're still going to be expected to do a whole lot of marketing. Even though that's supposedly what they bring to the table, you're still going to have to be doing a, a lot of it. Um, they still expect you to do a lot of it. And so that knowing that and knowing the fact that I come from a marketing background and also knowing that, mm-hmm. that it, it takes a lot of work just to get considered by publishers and agents. You know, you have to do a whole lot, you know, hundreds of submissions to to get someone to actually take interest in your work, you know, most of the time. Considering all that, I, I, my mind, you know, my thought process was, process was, well, I'll just take all that energy and put it towards doing it myself. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing. And, um, and I'm enjoying it. It's, it's, it's been an adventure so far. Excellent. Thank you. And how would you like to see your stories change the people who who read them? I so I, I think you know, what mm-hmm. I like to that like my my favorite novelist is actually Dostoevsky. Yes. I love Dostoevsky because on the one hand he doesn't seem to be very happy to about people. You know he. Yeah. Okay. Um, is, excuse me, Rano. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's that for some Hello? reason the sound. Yes. Yeah, your oh, okay. the sound is going a little. Yeah, there we go. Sounds okay, much sorry. better. I think, I think, That's okay. Okay. So, so Dostoevsky, he he really he has no delusions about people. He you see in his characters, he he sees that people can also be be vile and ridiculous and irrational but you can still also see that despite all of that he loves people he has this very deep love for people and also he he can see you, you, when you read Dostoevsky you see that you know, the, the world is painted in a very in a very dreary light but at the same time despite all of that he always communicates a message of hope mm-hmm. and I I would like to see people get that from my writing, even though I, my subject matter and my style are both very different from Dostoevsky. But, but I, I would hope that that same effect that Dostoevsky has on me would, would, have, would be seen in my readers, that they would come to have a certain hope and also love for humanity and that they would experience that through my writing. Wonderful. And then which authors have inspired you and influenced you the most? Yeah, Dostoevsky, definitely. Dostoevsky. Yes. Um, <laughs> and also um, Milton. Um, I think my, my favorite, my favorite um, literary work in any language, I think, is, is 
is Milton, uh, sorry, is is, uh, is Paradise Lost. Uh, it's just phenomenal. It's I I, I there, there's so many intricacies of it. Um, and I and I, I keep reading it over and over. In fact, I like to listen to it. I like to. That's one that I listen to on audiobook a lot. But I, I keep going through it over and over because there's so many so many intricacies of it. And I, I love his portrayal of of the devil of evil and and the the relevance that that has to us as humans. Um, just his general philosophy is, is very powerful to me. Some others that have influenced me. Um, Back, going back to when I was younger, I uh, my mother was a, a big fan of, and still is a big fan of, of science fiction and fantasy, and she had a lot of Star Wars books. And there are lots of Star Wars books, you know, a lot of authors that contributed to that shared universe, you know, and and that is something that really influenced me when I was young. I would read those books that she had, and yeah. and I liked I liked them a lot, and that and that definitely had a big influence on me. I don't really read uh Star Wars so much now um but but it you know back in the day it it definitely had a big influence on me wonderful and then can you name some famous authors that you dislike oh mark twain <laughs> um, <laughs> and mark twain just gets under just gets under my skin i i but see i i see i see value in what he, in what he wrote like he was he was a very progressive for his age, and, and and I think that he had a positive influence on people's perspectives on slavery and and and, and racism and things like that. Um, but he just his his general style just really annoys me, and and I see him as a very cynical person who just didn't like people, <laughs> and that and that no. kind of that kind of bothers me when I when I read Mark Twain. Um, no. That's the main one that comes to mind. Um, as far as uh, you know, uh, famous famous authors, um, you know, there like there there have been others. We think. Yes. I, t- I tend to, I tend to like pretty much everyone to some extent, but Mark Twain really. Oh oh um um another one is um um oh um what's his name? Um he wrote uh, <laughs> his name completely escapes me right now. Um, huh. yeah, sorry. Uh, He's a French writer, very famous. It's ridiculous that I can't remember his name. Um, can, uh, he wrote Candide. Um, anyway, totally, totally slipped my mind. But anyway, he he he, okay. he kind of annoys me in the same way. I see him see him as a as a cynic, um, yeah. and who didn't like people, and that that bothers me. I think any author that just doesn't really like people, to me that comes across Voltaire. Voltaire, yeah, I could. Totally escaped me from it. Um, any author that doesn't really like people, and when I'm reading his yes. books, kind of uh, kind of bothers me. And and you know, I, I like to read authors that that like people, even even if they recognize that people are kind of ridiculous sometimes. Yes, got it. Okay. And then, um, uh, what makes your writing style unique? Um, my writing style, I. I something that uh, that definitely comes through in my in my um, novel that's coming out in January, uh, Wild River, is it's just very fast paced. Um, I I don't I don't really go into a whole lot of exposition, which is 
which is a big temptation for fantasy writers, right? Because we create this whole world, and the initial impulse of a fantasy writer is to start the first chapter just kind of giving the whole history of this world that we created and we're so proud of, right? Um, but readers don't like to read that. Readers mm-hmm. want to get into the action, um, and and that's and and that's what I do pretty I, I think a, a lot. And 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 I don't I don't really I also don't dwell too much on trying to tell my readers what's going on in my characters' minds. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to show it kind of briefly, if ambiguously, through dialogue and through the things that they do. Um, I, I, I don't really go on for pages and pages talking about you know what they're thinking about. Um, I, I do it to some extent, but not not a whole lot. Um, and as I as I wrote um, Wild River, I for the most part I was trying to make every chapter almost like like a story in itself, very episodic. Yes. Um, so that you know it's it's it it pulls you in, gives you something uh, in the beginning of the chapter to, that that grabs your attention. And then at the and then at the end it of the chapter it kind of sums something up you know something has been resolved but then usually something else is uh, is is placed there at the end of the chapter and makes you go whoa wait what, wait a second what's going on and then <laughs> and then I move on to something to, you know to the new chapter yes and then thank you and then as a scientifically minded Christian how do you, how do you approach hard questions like evolution and the Odyssey. So I, these are things that I've written about a lot, and you know, I'm in, that I want to write books about in the future. Um, like, and I think that what people need to understand is that having a religious belief doesn't mean that you have to know everything from the beginning. Yeah. And sometimes you can know something is true, but make certain assumptions about the details of how it's true and then later find out that those assumptions were wrong. But mm-hmm. the main thing that you knew was true can still be true, just maybe not in the way that you assumed. And I think like, for, for example, evolution is, is one thing there. I, I completely accept the scientific explanation of evolution um, in, in where humans came from biologically. But what I would say is that there's more to it than that. There, There is a creator who was involved somewhere down the line. And also we're spiritual beings in a very real sense. We have spirits, not just bodies, but spirits. And and something that I want to write about in the future is, is how this all works out in my mind with Adam and Eve as real people who were directly created by God but put in this world where humans already existed biologically but they were spiritually distinct from Adam and Eve. They weren't the same kind of people spiritually. They weren't the same kind of being spiritually, but Adam and Eve did something that caused all the humans born after that point to be spiritually distinct from the ones that had come before. In fact, in that is their distinction that they are the children of God. They are the children of God. Um, things like that. I, I, I feel I feel that I feel that in from a religious perspective, people tend to have this this tendency to want to say that they have all the answers from the beginning, and that anything that anything that makes them that challenges the perspective on things must be evil, and that's just not the case. You can you can know certain spiritual truths, and yet still continue to learn exactly what the implications of those things 
are in the real world by by looking to scientific facts and continuing to learn not just scientific things but but spiritual things as well. Yes. And then as a Christian, how do you approach common fantasy tropes like, uh, is that polytheism and magic? So, well, first off, uh, I think, of course, there are many kinds of religious people, many kinds of Christians. And and I have seen that there is a, a certain kind of type of Christian who is kind of afraid of his or her own uh, imagination. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that the reason for that is that they have trouble distinguishing between their religious belief and their imagination. That scares them because it suggests to them that maybe their religious belief is just imagination. Um, and so and so they tend to just not want to to go um, in and uh, you know, indulge in in speculative fiction and fantasy and science fiction that 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 ask these questions that make them uncomfortable. But like from from my perspective, you know, I I love going you know asking these questions, and I love kind of digging up these pieces of discomfort. And I and and for me, it's not something that bothers me because I feel that I have a I have a good sense of what is my religious belief and what is my imagination? Um, and so, and, and, and when I when I read a fantasy novel or when I write a fantasy novel, it's I have no trouble saying, okay, I don't believe that these things are true, but it makes a good story, and it can convey certain other truths at a more subtle level. Um, like you know, in, in my books, I I have I have magic. Um, of, of a certain sort, um, but that doesn't mean that I believe in in this, and I don't expect my readers to believe in it. And and anyone who would start believing in that just because I put it in my book, it probably has some some other problems, you know, that 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 I can't address. Um, yeah. No, I, I think I think it's a very it's a very important skill for people to learn. To be able to entertain an idea without believing it, yes, because that can help them to learn things about themselves and about the world, and to consider possibilities they wouldn't have considered before. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thank you. And then, how do you approach the conflict between religious conservatism and homosexuality and transgenderism? The conflict. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it's, yes, and also, uh, uh, sorry, Ron, I want to add this on. And then, do you address that in your writing? So, uh, in in my novels, I don't I don't really go into that so much. Okay. okay. Um, in not so much in, in my novels. I do have a character in in my current novel. She's she's a, an important character, and she's she's bisexual. Um, mm-hmm. it's not really a really important plot point like i don't i don't write lgbt fiction in the sense that that is i don't have that as like a central point of the plot but i may have characters who just happen to be like that like i do have one character who is who is uh uh, bisexual and she's she's a very interesting character she starts out basically she starts out 
bad and becomes good. But but she's she's, she's a very interesting character. Anyway, um, but the first thing that I would say, it, it, when when people are are discussing issues like this uh, in in our society today, there's this, there's this tendency to either to to not be able to distinguish the person from the idea or the action, right? And yeah. not even not even talking about you know, homosexuality or something like that, but talking more broadly about all kinds of things. People should be able to disagree with each other on moral moral issues without being enemies, without <laughs> hating each other. Um, like I have, I have a friend who thinks that that the NFL is immoral because you know because it causes because of all the the history of uh, of head trauma and things like that, and so he's morally opposed to watching NFL games. But he's still friends with people who watch NFL games, you know. And yes. I, I and I do sometimes, not a lot. But but I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not offended at the fact that he has moral qualms there with something that I do. And he doesn't hate me for having moral qualms and for 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 not aligning with his with his moral beliefs. You know, people have people will have different moral beliefs, and that intrinsically means that we believe that people will do things that are immoral, and other people will believe that we are doing things that are immoral, and and that just happens. Just and just because you do one thing that doesn't fit within a certain person's. Uh, uh, moral belief system that doesn't mean that they necessarily think that you're a terrible person all around, right? Humans are yeah. complex beings, and none of us are perfect. Sure. And and yeah, we're going to disagree on some things. We can still be friends, um, and that doesn't mean that we should be that we should be patronizing, and it doesn't mean that we should pretend to be friends while secretly huh. saying, oh, but that person is is gay or whatever. No, we can be friends. We can disagree on things, and and you know, it's, it's to, to paraphrase paraphrase Christ. I mean, if you can't, if you can only be friends with people who agree with you on every issue, then you're not really someone who's good at making friends. You know, we, we need to be able to live together and have different moral beliefs, and be okay with that. Thank you. And then what um, do you think the world needs most right now? In general terms, I would say empathy. And that, you know, that goes back to you know, what I was just talking about, um, you know, even dealing with moral issues and things, but you know, we need to have empathy even when we disagree with people. Um, too often, so many of our dis- disagreements just immediately turn into you know, name-calling contests. And, and it's a question of how quickly someone can slap a label on someone else. Um, empathy, in the most general sense. In more practical terms, um, I would say that what I think the world needs more than anything right now is in, is in the United States, I want to see ranked choice voting um, because so many of our problems, of our big problems that we have come from our corrupt and inefficient um, uh, two-party system. It does not give us the representation that we should have in what is supposedly a republic or a democracy. Mm-hmm. It, it, the the system that we have does not serve the people, and mm-hmm. the only way 
I see of, of changing that is through ranked choice voting, where people are not told, oh, you, you, you can't vote for that third-party candidate because you'll waste your vote. In a ranked choice voting system, there is no, there is no wasting of votes. Every vote is counted. So you, you can vote for the person that you think is the best, and if that person can't win, that's okay. Your vote will still be counted toward like the next best person that you chose, right? Um, and, and if we can institute that, that will go a long way in helping us to break free of the hypocrisy and the corruption that is indicative of both of our major parties today. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, that's all the time that we actually have. So that was a very powerful note to end our interview on. And I want to thank you so very much, Ronald, um, for your thoughts and for being here. Um, it's greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was absolutely a pleasure. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay, everyone, that was the wonderful Ronald Kimmins. And um, I don't know about you, but I would I hope that you were able to unpack all that he was saying. It was such a overall positive informa- information or a positive message in each of the majority of his questions, his answers to his questions. And... Um, I learned a lot just listening to him, and um, I do want to uh, read about Ronald in his own words before the time escapes me. He writes, from a young age, he always wanted to be a novelist. He says, I um, I was always writing stories and daydreaming about things that could be as an adult I did not initially pursue this as a career because I wanted to build a family and I thought it was not feasible economically. Instead, I wrote website content and translated documents into English from multiple foreign languages. More recently, I built a successful digital marketing agency with my wife. I think it's Alison. I'm sorry if I mispronounced his wife's name. In that agency, we have helped numerous entrepreneurs to each sell millions of dollars in info products. That experience has caused me to believe that I can actually make a good as an in, make good as an independent novelist without an agent or a publisher. I want to show others that they can bring their dreams to reality, both in the stories they want to tell and in the life that they want to build. Okay, so you can also find Ronald um, on Facebook and YouTube and LinkedIn. And he does have a website, which I left the link to it in the description of the show. We are at blogtalkradio.com. And then the name of our show, or my show rather, is Coffee Chat with Camille. Okay, so Ronald, you can find him at www.ronaldm, as in Mary K, as in Kim, I M M, excuse me, sorry, M M O N 
S.com. Okay, free novella. So he also leaves um, a free download novella that gives readers a taste of his stories and his style. Okay, and then he does have uh, Wild River that is coming in January 2023. So at the top of the new year, he will be releasing a new book. All right, so this our wonderful guest again was Ronald Kimmins, and the name of our show was What is Magic and Mind, the Value of Fantasy Storytelling in Modern Society. And um, again, thank you so much for listening to our show. Thank you, Ronald. <laughs> it was a great episode. I really enjoyed listening to him and his perspective as a writer and author, novelist, all that great stuff. Okay. Oh, and also Christian and his views on politics as well. So it was a lot to unpack. Such a wonderful interview. Thank you, Ronald. Thank you all for listening. Bye for now. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.